Previously heard on Good Hope FM. I think we all need um, rule breakers. We all need those trailblazers. We all need those thought leaders in our lives to sort of prove that the possible or the impossible is indeed possible. That's at least my thought anyway. Uh, And for that reason, we're starting a new series on the show called Get Off the Bench. People that can motivate and inspire us to do exactly that. By the way, we're streaming live on Facebook. Hello, hello, Facebook Live over there. Uh, This on my left-hand side is... Cameron Funneberg, welcome to the studio. Is that it? You hurt yourself? I know, no, not at all. I thought it just carry on a little bit longer. Anyway, uh, Cameron Funneberg, he's that side. That's Cameron, not Graham. Cameron, thank you, not Graham Smith. Thanks for the distinction. <laughs> I mean, thought it's important just to get it out the way, nice and early. Africa's first—is it still fair enough? To, I mean, you were first home-trained world record holder, individual male Olympic champion. Yes, I was. Well, yeah, I guess I'm the I mean, first. You still, you still are. That's never really going to change. Yeah, it shouldn't, shouldn't change. I guess, yeah. Until um, obviously, I think uh, the only things that are going to now change over time. Of, of course, uh, there's going to be a, a lot more kids, I think, coming through, knowing that that it is possible to do it in South Africa. So I was the first, and Chad followed suit and was the second. So I think it's just cool to obviously show everyone that you don't always have to think that the grass is greener to go on the other side, and always think that um, it's all, life is always better on the other side. You know, if you just sort of focus on what you have here at home. Um, even us, we've just moved down to Cape Town now and, and um, everyone always said that you can't train in Cape Town, there's nothing really here, but we make it work, um, you know, you put your effort behind it and uh, results are always possible when you put the effort in. He also sounds like he went to a captain's school. You guys are all so good at this. When it comes to speaking to athletes, there's like a, there's like a we're doing this, we're doing our best, we're always trying really hard. And you nailed that, Karen. You, to- you totally nailed that. Thanks. I, I was practicing long and hard. I thought uh, I, I didn't luckily write it down. You know, it's at home. But uh, th- thank no, you. I'm pulling your socks. Listen, recently engaged. Yeah, uh, yeah. Is there any? Is there such a thing as downtime for an Olympian? Do you ever take a break? Um, I took quite a bit of a break after Olympic Games uh, mm. end of last year. So what we did was um, I took a lot of time out of the pool, but I just stayed in the gym just to to be in shape. Oh, you didn't go partying with your American friends uh, in Rio? Huh? No, 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 no. <laughs> Luckily, uh, we got a little bit more sense than that. Eh? Um, but yeah, we took off a bit of time, and we had the World Championships end of the year, and um, just decided to do the sprint because the sprint you can can um, keep up with just power. doing power exactly. Mm. And uh, I went. I mean, I went into the championships weighing. Uh, eight nine kilograms over what i did from olympic games so the 100 was a little bit far i was a little bit heavy carrying a bit of extra weight but the 50 uh, fortunately enough uh, i was lucky enough to to walk away with the gold so what do you what do you weigh now uh i'm back down now to about 88 so olympics i was about 84 83 um at the world champs i weighed 92 oh, then wow, i had okay. a bit of um, fun in switzerland and and cape town i was up to about 93 and now yeah after about 10 days of training we, we're back to about 88 and yeah, so. yeah 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 you do look you, good. He looks good. Generally, looks good. Do you generally fluctuate like that, or do you try and keep around three kilos of your nah, fighting weight? Also, like the normal training weight is about 86 in season, so that's when I'm training every day. Obviously, I only fluctuated up to the to that point because um, I I wasn't doing any cardio at all, so I wasn't swimming after Olympics, just doing gym, um, doing four five hundred meters every third or fourth day just to stay and get the feel. Yeah. But that's obviously why you why you pick up. So it was, it was bulking seasons. So. Mm. <laughs> See, uh, looking at it being today being a bit of a throwback. Back Thursday. Do you remember a time when you were, you know, weren't picked for a team? Were you ever a bench warmer at school? Yeah, definitely. Um, really? When I was about, uh, what was it? I think I was ten, and the way that I got into swimming was I was uh, quite hyperactive as a kid, so I had ADHD, and um, got into swimming. You know, did all the other sports, and um, just just really felt natural at ease in the water. And from there, I went and I made the school team. The teacher said, you know, you're pretty good. Try try go for a club. So I trained at a club for about six months, and then 
back then it was still um, Northern Transvaal, NTS. So I, I uh, went to the trials to represent the school and I came, I think, fourth, which meant, no, fifth, which meant that I didn't make the team because they had A and a B team, which was two from uh, first and second was A and, and third and fourth was the B team. But the guy that was fourth pulled out. Uh-huh. So uh, I came into the B team uh, originally like that, and that was my, my first break. So uh, yeah, didn't didn't quite make it from from the get go, and uh, and then from there, yeah, I just progressed slowly and persevered. Listen, I, I don't know if you would call this your breakout moment per se, but when you won the hundred breaststroke back in 2012 and clocking a world record time, and you, you look at that moment as how things completely changed in your life. Do you remember what you were doing moments before that? <clears throat> And the stark difference that's now, now now become what your life is like to this day. Yeah, it's, um, it, you know, it definitely does change your life 180 degrees. And um, Rake Nothing is a great mentor of mine. And, and after the Olympics, um, well, after the final, he sort of said to me, you know, you do realize that your life has changed forever. And, you know, you like, you sort of take it with a pinch of salt. And, okay, cool, you know, thanks. Uh, but it was only really until that we got back to South Africa. And um, when Chad and myself landed at the airport and there was roughly 10,000 kids and, and parents and people that came out to the airport and uh, you couldn't believe that so many people had come out and that you'd affected them and changed their lives and they mm. were screaming your name and mm. matric dance go with us and this and that yeah they probably thought I was Graham exactly um, the Springboks are back too I mean the protesters are here too what are the protesters doing here yeah uh, okay, so huge change, life yeah. change for you. And I got to say, when I look at athletes, especially someone in, as yourself, as you're, you're an individual athlete, so to say. And I also consider athletes to be entrepreneurs. So, uh, do you find that having studied financial management and sort of doing that in your background, do you find that you have to run your life, the schedule, as a job? It's a business. Do you see yourself as a business? A hundred percent. I think. Um that individual athletes take a lot more responsibility compared to team players in the sense that um, there's nowhere to hide when you don't train. You take responsibility for everything. So mm. you put the, the hours in and, and you reap the rewards. If you don't, there's nowhere to hide. You know, I think if you're in a team and you're playing bad, you can still sort of blend in with the team and hide behind them and get get the successful result. But for us, you need to take everything into your own court and especially also being an Olympic sport, um, we don't get paid from our local federation. So it, it falls upon us to try and market yourself, make yourself presentable, to be able to acquire sponsors will then support you obviously and, and make uh, make this dream that we do every day a possibility and and, an actual uh, job for us yeah and it seems to me that you have a very amiable nature with your competitors as well you seem to get on with everybody really well is that is that strategy is that (laughs) is that is there is there more to it is it growing a network (laughs) i mean do you concentrate on stuff like that no i think you know when when you're younger uh you know probably like 12 13 15 you know you think you're pretty cool and everyone starts uh Hey, what's your time? You know, oh, yeah, well, yeah. you know, you slower yeah. than me, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I think as you just get older, you know, you, um, you know, you you get too old for it. If I can say, you know, I think you just really focus on what you're doing because sure. it doesn't really affect the outcome. Of course, especially being in a non-contact sport, you have your lane. That's it. You know, you get in, you do your thing. Um, you can't really affect the other guys as well. So um, yeah, I think at the end of the day, we're all pretty good mates. But uh, obviously, when it does come down to the Olympic final, um, you know, nobody's really friendly, shall I say, in the courtroom before. No one's really saying, hey, man, good luck, uh, have a good race. It's, uh, it's a little bit more intense, of course, but after the race, it's always um, good friendships. And, and the nice thing is that we've built so many friendships over the over the, the past 16 years um, that, you know, I can go to almost any city around the around the world. And, uh, I, you know, I know a few people there and I can pop in and if I need a place to stay. And well, that's right. So, you know, it's... it's, it's um, a pretty cool thing and you know you also get to see the countries that you travel as a local 
which is which makes like the world of difference. And people always say, "Hey, what's your favorite country?" And I never feel like I have a favorite country because I've experienced so many different countries that you would think Yo. probably are crappy, but you see it from a local point of view sure, and exactly. you have the best time. It's like there's like an Olympic Airbnb. That's like it's <laughs> like a very VVIP section to eat Airbnb. I just said he's a couch surfer. <laughs> Precisely, Airbnb. You had a question with regards to that call room. We're gonna have to move along, but you had a question about call room in terms of rituals and and preparing for races. Yeah, I, when I interviewed Drake Nethling a while ago before the Olympic Games, I asked him the same question. Uh, you get these ways that you psych yourself up. Yeah. What's the weirdest well, psych has? yourself up yeah. r- routine that you've seen That's among funny. all of the international uh, events That's that you've participated in? Surely you've seen some like weird-ish going on in the back end of the corner there. Like, what is that guy drinking? That kind of thing. Yeah, I think um, the weirdest ones for us is that, um, remember a couple of years ago, Beats came out with uh, earphones that when you played whatever you're listening to, you could actually hear it outside. Oh. And, and you'd hear oh, quite yeah. a lot of guys listening to that, um, what's it called, uh, the football um, um, speech, you know, I think uh, De Niro gives a speech. I think oh, yes, 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 Any given movie. Sunday. Any yes. given Sunday. <laughs> and you keep hearing these guys walking around listening to Every Given Sunday. And oh, it's like, word. this is our, our meters. We all fight for these meters. <laughs> and you look at these guys and they're getting so fast and you just, yeah, you just Bang, start popping. You start laughing. Yeah, it's the funniest thing ever. Okay, well, we do some chest pumping and some throwing our arms in the air because I think it's time to, to plank with yes. Cameron. All right, It's Olympic level planking here. Uh, guys via Facebook Live can continue to watch this. Um, Simone is sending our love to Cameron from all of the Seapoint lifeguards are currently listening oh, awesome, and watching awesome. that interview. Uh, so thanks so much for getting involved via Facebook. We're going to continue live with some planking as we spin some tunes. Cameron van der Berg off the bench. You need to wrap things up with Cameron van der Berg as we let him get back to his training. And uh, You're obviously enjoying Cape Town. Where exactly... Are you training? I see messages coming on from people saying they spotted you recently in Seapoint. And um, people, I mean, you're approachable, yeah. right? People can just yeah, come and say, course, "Hey, Cameron." Of course, no, we uh, we train at the moment Jan van Rubeck, so that was that's like our daily place. And then twice a week we're going to head out to Seapoint Pool for the long course. And I mean, it's just a phenomenal pool. It's so beautiful, and it's actually really, really cool to go to Seapoint to see so many people being active, getting in the water, swimming. Mm. In Pretoria, it's just mm. in the gym and rugby all day, so <laughs> it's pretty cool to see down here. The guys are like being active outdoors, running. You know, it's like a different, different um, world down here. Do Do you think that'll aid your motivation in keeping focused? I mean, there's a lot of stuff changing at the moment for you. You've, you've relocated. You've gotten engaged. You've got new coaches. You're under a new, you know, regime. <laughs> it's a lot of change, and to maintain focus and stay motivated, it's got to be hard. No, now for me, I think it's easier to get motivated and, and shall we say, uh, get going, you know, like uh, when something co- completely brand new because I hate routine. I hate okay. it doing the same thing over and over and over. So sure. for me, I've been in Pretoria at the same pools forever, you know, so long that it becomes so monotonous and I hate that game. That's the ADD. Yeah, exactly. So to actually be down here now, I've been training better than I've been training for quite some time. And also the fact that because I'm getting older now, I'm 28, um, training altitude started to become pretty tough for me because right. I couldn't string as many sessions together okay. uh, because I wasn't recovering as recovering as, as quickly. quickly. So yeah, I feel like I'm smashing out the sessions pretty well, recovering really nice, and, and uh, yeah, it's enabling me to to train better than what I did back in Pretoria. Then Sweet. Just what would you do if you had to go swim at altitude? Would you go back up to Pretoria and train for a while? Yeah, you go okay. back up. Yeah, so Pretoria is about 1,500 meters. So yeah. uh, over time, it's not extreme altitude, but it is enough to to hurt you. Okay. 
Well, we love the fact that you're here. Please stay in contact and pop around any time you like. If we'll you're looking do. for running buddies or you know uh, accountability partners, when you need to do a plank, planking partners. Planking partners. We I mean, we're all, we're all we've been practicing. We've been practicing for this moment. Okay, I'll, I'll swing by before the World Championships, and we'll get that coin show. Yes, there we go. Cameron van der Berg, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for uh, for being in studio, and thanks so much for all the comments that are coming through via Facebook and Twitter, of course. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch with Cameron and send him a young tweet, by all means, you can do so. Cameron VD Berg. Uh, thank you, sir. Thank you very much, guys. Only a pleasure. Hey, yo, check it out. Good Hope FM. Goodhopefm.co.za now.